Let's welcome Chaplain Ken Crawford. He's going to be speaking for us this morning. Praise God. God bless you. Oh, come on now. God bless you. You guys know you got you to gotta kind of perk me up a little bit. So when I hear you praising God with all of your heart and with all of your soul, it just motivates me. So once again, God bless you. And for all of you who are watching online, God bless you also. Um, it is such a blessing to be in the house of the Lord again. You just don't know. Um, the last few months have been challenging that uh, a lot of us could not sit in the church. We could not uh, assemble together. Um, we pretty much were online and, and getting all our, our word from uh, the Zoom and, and whatever other uh, media technology that's out there. But thank God today that uh, I'm here in the church with you, with my wife, and, and we're so blessed to be back in what we consider is our home church. Can you say amen to that? So I'm going to kind of take my mask off a little bit and unmask myself because uh, I, I feel kind of restricted, and I don't want to be restricted this morning. I want to flow in the Spirit, and I'm praying that the Spirit of God be with us this morning as we worship, as we uh, together, um, as I'm preaching up here, I'd like you to pray in, in silent and just ask God to lead me through this with all intelligence, with all articulation, with all um, uh, as much um, fire as God can put in, in my heart this morning to come to you. Can you say glory to God? I want you to just look at your neighbor. Don't touch your neighbor, but look at your neighbor and said, it's about the battle cry. And you all have to have a battle cry. And your battle cry is when you are being overwhelmed, like we're being overwhelmed and ravished with COVID and all these kind of things that has ravished us in the past uh, 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 months and the past days. Um, one of my battle cries is always when I believe in you, God. Believe in the Lord because one day God will bring an end to all of this. Can you say amen? And no matter how much darkness falls upon the earth, God will say and declare, light be, and light will be. Can you say amen? You know how it was when we were in the darkness of our minds and in the darkness of our souls and in, in the darkness of our life, and we could not see, we could not think clearly, but all of a sudden, light be, and light was, and you had an illumination in your soul that you didn't have to live like this anymore. Can you say amen? So this morning, I just want to talk about a king, one of the kings of Judah. Can you say Judah? Judah, it's the kings of praise, the fourth king of Judah. I want to talk about Jehoshaphat this morning. Can you say Jehoshaphat? The reason I want to talk about Jehoshaphat is because he was a king that was faced with some pretty unimpossible things that were happening in his life. Pretty impossible circumstances that were coming his way. But Jehoshaphat knew that when it was impossible with man, it was possible with God. Can you say amen? You, you know what I'm... Is there anybody know that I'm talking about this morning? When it's impossible with man, it's very possible with God. When, when, I, when I'm at the end of myself and not much is working in my life, not much is happening because I'm limited in what I can do, I know God is limitless. Can you say amen? 
that there's nothing that the Lord cannot solve for you. Not one single iota of a problem that you're going through in your life that God cannot solve if you will seek him, if you will sought him, and if you will trust him. Can you say amen? See, there was a scripture that Pastor read in the prayer uh, request this morning in 2 Chronicles 17. And it's interesting because that verse I wrote down last night. See how God moves? I I didn't know that somebody was going to actually pray that verse this morning. But that verse is part of the text this morning in 2 Chronicles. And it talks about you seeking God. How many of you seek God on a daily basis? So the question is, why do you seek him on a daily basis? Do you just seek him because you want to be the Christian thing? Or do you seek God because you know he's faithful and he's true? And that everything that God has promised you, God has never relented in not bringing it about in your life. Can you say amen to that? God has brought about everything in my life that he has promised me. Even some things that I didn't think I was promised, God did it for me. Can you say amen? See, we're in a, we're in a terrible situation, but I want to go and please turn your Bible to the second, uh, second Chronicles chapter 20. Second Chronicles chapter 20. Turn your Bibles to Second Chronicles chapter 20. And then when you get to Second Chronicles chapter 20, I want you to then mark that and go to Matthew, the sixth chapter, the 33rd verse. Can you say amen to that? How many of you have your Bible this morning? I don't see many people turning it to Second Chronicles. So, you know, you, you got to help me out here. Turn it to Second Chronicles if you have your Bible. Now, in Second Chronicles chapter 20, you have... King Jehoshaphat and the nation of Judah faced with an impossible situation. Say impossible situation. And they're faced with an impossible situation because they were about to be ravished by a collection of countries that were coming against the king at the time that King Jehoshaphat was reigning. Can you say amen? Now, before I read that, I want to go to a text in a book that I have been reading in this whole COVID thing. I find myself reading a lot of books and a lot of different uh, collection of articles. And why I have no clue is just that, you know, you're passing time. So you want to pass time with something that is going to be a blessing to you. Can you say amen? So this particular book that I'm reading is called 100 Verses That Shaped America. 100 Verses That Shaped America. And this particular text in the book reads this. If God is for us, who can be against us? Can you say amen? See, I stand on that battle scripture because no matter what comes my way, no matter what befalls me, no matter what I'm sick with, no matter what I'm lack of, no matter what I'm going through, no matter what my condition is, no matter what happens, no matter what, who is coming at me, if God be for me, who can be against me? Can you say amen? 
Now, I'm not telling you that COVID-19 is not a bad deal because it's a bad deal. But it's a bad deal, but I know my God is bigger than any deal that can come my way. Can you say amen? And that doesn't mean you test God and think that COVID isn't real. It's real, but God is eternal. Can you say amen? If God be for me. See, I'm preaching to you this morning, but I come to this full gospel church and I ask you not to be silent this morning. You ought to shout when God says, if I be for you, who can be against you? Can you say amen? See, that's a that's like a battle cry, because when it comes at you, you can say, if God be for me. If God is leading, if God is guiding, if God is touching, if God is healing, if God is mending, if God is chasing the demons out, if God is fixing it, who can be against me? What can happen if God puts his hands on it? What can happen if you deliver it up to God? What can happen if you have an angry spirit and you take on the spirit of peace, the spirit of love, the spirit of understanding, the spirit of humility, the spirit of honesty before God? Mm, I'm not hearing much on the full gospel church front this morning. I got to hear you say amen. So let me set the backdrop for this particular text or this particular chapter out of the book. I'm not going to read the whole chapter, but I want to talk about the history of America for just one second. Because this scriptures, all of this will become real in a minute. In the 1740s, the American colonies became a rope in the tug of war between Britain and France. And one of the hardest periods of the conflict King George's war at the time was raging. From 1744 to 1748, some 30 years, the Declaration of Independence before that happened. And in the midst of the conflict, in one October 1746, Bostonians heard with an alarm that the French admiral was sailing his ship to prepare to ravish what was called New England at the time. And it was the largest naval armada to have threatened the American coastline. And the governor of Massachusetts had no adequate way to protect Boston. At the time in America, it was the jewel of the American cities. 15,000 inhabitants. Oh, my God. And the French was coming to burn the city to the ground. Somebody say hallelujah. What's so hallelujah about burning the city down to a ground? Well, one Sunday morning, somebody say amen. On October 16, 1746, it was appointed to everyone to have a citywide day of prayer. Panicked citizens like today gathered in the city churches with hundreds of them crowding in to the old South Meeting Hall. And the only thing pleasant about that day, the only thing pleasant about what was about to happen was that it was calm skies and fair waters. But then you had a pastor, the man of God, that said, if God be for us, who can be against us, got up in his pulpit and he began to pray and intercede on behalf of the colonies. 
Deliver us from our enemy, he reportedly prayed. Send thy tempest, Lord, upon the waters to the eastward, and rise thy right hand and scatter the ships of our tormentors and drive them thence away. And suddenly, somebody say suddenly. Oh, my God. And suddenly, a powerful gust of wind struck the church so hard that the shutters bang, startling the congregation. And Reverend Prince paused and looked up in surprise. And sunlight no longer streamed through the windows. And the room reflected the ominous darkness of the sky. Gathering his thoughts, Reverend Prince continued with greater earnestness in prayer. Sink their proud fritters beneath the power of thy winds. Oh, my God. And as he began to pray, the chimes of the church bell began to ring an unusual sound. Somebody say unusual. Though no man was in the steeple to ring the bell. And raising his hands toward heaven, Reverend Prince bellowed, We hear thy voice, O God. We hear thy breath is upon the waters to the eastward. Even upon the deep thy bells roll for the death of our enemies. Overcome by emotion, he paused as tears went down his cheeks. And he ended his prayer prayer, saying, Dime, be the glory and the power and the dominion. Amen. And that day a storm of hurricane force struck the French ships and the greater part of the fleet was wrecked and the captain of the ship either took his life or had a stroke and only a few sailors survived. Not a single military objective had been achieved. Thousands and soldiers were dead and no one knows how many died during the expedition. Back in Boston... The governor set aside a day of thanksgiving, and according to the historians, there was no end to the joyful quotation, if God be for us, 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 who, who, who could be against us? And everyone begin to pray and understand that it's not by power or not by might, but by God's spirit, saith the Lord, how your enemies will be burned and beaten and taken down before you. Let not nothing stand in your way when you have the power of God and the Holy Spirit in you. Can you say amen? Can two people in this church say glory to God this morning? Oh, that's your war cry. Say glory to God. Mm. Mm. So 2 Chronicles chapter 20. Let's go there and let's read a couple of verses. And I just wanted to kind of set the stage a little bit for where we're going this morning. And it happened after this. Somebody said, and it happened after this. That the people of Moab with the people of Ammon and others with them besides the Amorites came to battle against Jehoshaphat, saying, 
a great multitude is coming against you from beyond the sea. From Syria, they are in Hezeron Timar, which is En Gedi. And Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord and proclaim a fast throughout all Judah. So Judah gathered together to ask help from the Lord and from all the cities of Judah. They came to seek the Lord. Then Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court and said, now this next text and these next verses are a prayer from Jehoshaphat to God. Does anybody know that God already knows the condition that your life is going to end up in? There is no secret as to what God knows you have done and what you're about to do. Can you say amen? God knows the seasons of the times, and he knows you're going in and you're coming out, you're rising and you're sitting. God knows when everything will work for you. God knows when the next storm for America and the world is coming beyond COVID-19. God right now is preparing all of us for a feat that's going to happen in the future. What are you learning from COVID? What are you learning from the horde that has taken us by surprise? I'll tell you one thing I've learned in COVID-19 is that I have to constantly hold on to the hem of Jesus' garment. (sighs) I don't care where I go, what I do, what I think, what I feel. I'm grabbing Jesus' garment wherever I'm going. And they ask me, why is your arm out like this and you're walking and I don't see nothing? I tell them, I got the hem of Jesus' garment. I got the hem of Jesus' garment. Let me tell you what the hem of Jesus' garment does. It's not only that it heals you, but it makes you in your mind know who you're connected to. And you say amen. See, when the woman with the issue of blood grabbed the whole of Jesus' garment, she felt she was healed within herself. But grabbing a hold of the garment was an act of trust, an act of worship, an act of belief, an act of her battle cry. Can you say amen? Because she said, when I have spent all from the physicians and the people who were trying to heal me, and I still felt sick, Until I grabbed his garment and I had faith that if I touch him, I'm going to be healed. Can you? You didn't ask for prayer this morning because you just wanted to be heard. You asked for prayer because you were coming to the only one that can spread his hands and heal your loved ones. Can you say amen? See, I can take a thousand metric centimeters of medicine and nothing happen, but God can wave his hand and heal my whole life. And not only my physical life, but my emotional life, my spiritual life, my psychological life. Can you say amen? When you are healed in your body, it's not just about physical healing. God wants to heal up here and right here because up here and right here gives you thought how never to do that thing again that got you sick in the first place. 
You, you weren't just heal of drugs. You weren't just heal of drinking. You weren't just heal of carousing. You just what you were healed in your spiritual and your psychological mind. Because once they took those things away from you, you knew better to go back to them again. Never took a drink again since 1995. Is that truth? Never took a drink. People come, hey, you want some wine? No, man. I'll have a tea. But guess what? I drink the old tree now. (laughs) You drink a tree? Yes, I do. And it's called the blood of Jesus. Now, I'm not talking about you drinking actual blood, but the blood symbolizes the cleansing. Amen. The blood symbolizes healing, forgiveness, power. Can you say amen? And I'd rather drink that blood than drink the blood that caused me almost my death. You all know you came from. Whoa, whoa. Hey, you know what? I came from something, but the something that I came for is nothing, and the nothing that I wasn't is something. Can you say amen? Hey, I'll say that again. The something that I came from was nothing, and the nothing that I came from is now something. And the something is now in my right mind. And the something now is my name in the book. And the something now is that I have a savior. And the something now is my savior is all powerful. And now that he's all powerful and I know it, I'm going to cling on to the one that can do everything for me. Can you say amen? Not some things for me, but everything. See, when the army was coming, Jehoshaphat was no weak dude. Jehoshaphat was the king of Judah. He had about a million men in his army. He had wealth beyond. But when the army was coming at him and they were advancing at at him, he feared. Fear is a good thing. Fear is not a bad thing. Fear teaches you to bow before the Lord. You know what fear did to me as an officer? Fear kept me awake. Fear kept me, kept me aware. Fear kept me responsible. Fear kept me from falling into corruption. Fear kept me on the right track. Fear was not necessarily bad. Now watch this. I didn't fear no man because I was confident that I was doing the right thing. Can you say amen? God don't want you walking around thinking you the big dude. He's thinking you walk around and know who you belong to and you don't fight your battle like you used to. See, you used to fight your battle with your five knuckles. Now you fight it with the hand of God. Amen. So your knuckles are now longer closed. Your knuckles are open where you're delivering everything up to the Lord. Amen. You're not ready to pound on anybody anymore. You're ready to pray for them. You're not ready to punch them anymore. You're ready to lay hands on them. You're not ready to call them a so-and-so. You're ready to love them. You're ready to tell them about Jesus. Amen. Oh, my God. I thought I was in a full gospel. (laughs) Man. 
So let's go back. So Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah in the house of the Lord before the new court and said, O Lord God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? Do you not rule over all the kingdoms of the nation and in your hand? Is there not power and might so that no one, no one, no one is able to withstand you? Are you not our God who drove out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and gave it to the descendants of Abraham, your friend forever? Are you a friend of God? Are you a friend of God? Are you God's friend? Are you God's friend? Is he your homie? Is he the one that is going to stick with you closer than a brother? Is he the one that's going to understand what you're going through? Is he the one that is able to forgive you? Is he the one that is going to listen when you start complaining and groaning? Is he the one that is going to give you truth and wisdom? See, you could go to your friend and ask for wisdom, but he's going to tell you what you want to hear. Oh, everything is fine, Roy. Everything is great, Jerry. And Jerry and Roy are looking at me. What's so fine and what's so great? We're in trouble. And God is going to tell me, yeah, everything is fine and everything is great. But guess what you need to do? Get on your knees and pray that everything stays great and everything stays fine. I went ahead and did it. And, and, and I keep walking back and forth. And I know we're online. I, I so apologize to all of you at home. But I'm animated. I'm so sorry. So. When, 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 I, when I get to preaching, I, I got to walk around because there's so much to say and it kind of comes out of me and it spills out and I, and I just, I, I'm an animated guy. I'm an animated guy, I'm sorry. <laughs> and he says, <laughs> and he says, watch this. Is, and, and is there not power and might that no one is able to withstand you? You are our God who drove out the inheritance of this land before your people and gave it to the descendants of Abraham, your friend forever. And they dwelled in the place that you gave us and have built you a sanctuary in it for your name. Are you a sanctuary? Are you a house where God's name is on you? When people call you a Christian, when you say I'm a Christian, do you not know that that is the house that you are building for Jesus? <laughs> do you know what the scripture says? Are you not a house that the scripture that the spirit dwells in? You are a house. You are calling yourself a Christian. You are building a house where God can dwell. Can you say amen? That's why he says, get sin out of your life. Get the issues out of your life. Live a pure life. Walk worthy of the calling by which you were called. All of those things so that this spiritual house is cleansed enough for the Lord to dwell in this spiritual house. I don't know but your spiritual house, but I daily clean and sweep 
this spiritual house by asking God to forgive the filth that has come into this house on a daily basis. God examined this house. Help me, Holy Spirit, sweep this house clean of what the world is trying to put in this house so that I don't become a product of what is coming into my house. I don't want to become a product of anger, of hate, of discourse. I want to become a product of love, of power, and of a sound mind. I want to become a product of helping God's children because God's children at one point helped me. And I want to become a product of letting people know about the grace and the glory of God. A lot of folks don't want to clean that spiritual house. They want to hold on to the dirt that comes out of the world. Somebody once said life is like a river. It's like a flowing river in the Grand Canyon that snakes around the canyon. And he says, and as the river flows down, the river collects things. And, and like trees and branches and rocks and boulders and dirt. And the river is constantly flowing like life. Life doesn't stop for you and I. Can you say amen? But as it collects these things, not everything is good for the river. Not everything is good for the flow of the river. Because too many branches and trees, it will block the flow of the river. Can you understand? So if you collect too many bad things in your river, your life, it starts to block some of the great graceness of the flow of your life. God intended you to have a life worthy of blessings flowing in and out of life, blessing, blessing, blessing. And as you collect things from the river sin and discourse and disgrace, it blocks the flow of blessing that comes into your life. Not to say you can't clean out the flow. And the flow cleaning out is doing what Jehoshaphat did. I didn't become proud and think I've got a million men tell my commanders to get their swords and their, 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 their spears and their bazookas ready to fight because we're just going to kill. See, Jehoshaphat said, wait a minute, I fear a God that if I were to pull my spears and swords and I might be out of his will. His will is for me to seek him and trust his word. Amen. You might want to you might want to fight. You might want to argue. You might want to yell and scream. But before you yell and scream, before you fight, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things. What are these things? Calm, wisdom, foresight, love. God's righteousness will be added unto you. So maybe I don't have to fight. You know, hey, it's easy to fight. It's harder not to. It's easy to hate. Man, it's harder to love somebody who you think is unlovable. I told you the story of the cat. Remember the cat? Many of you probably do not. I had this cat. 
that would constantly come up to our house. And I would see, I would shoot a cat, get, get out of here. And the cat would keep coming back. And I would just get out of here. And the cat would come back. I would sit down on my porch and here comes the lovable cat just wanting love. And I said, you know, I, I, Kathleen, I've had it with the cat. I'm going to spray him if he comes back. And you know what? The cat kept coming back. And I said, you know what? I can't spray him. I'm not going to kill him. So guess what? I can't. I have to love him. And when I started loving it and petting it, then it decided on its own to walk away. <laughs> God. Well, 15 years later, we get a dog. A labadoodle or moodle or whatever you call those things. A golden doodle. There you go. That's the proper name. Ladybird was her name. And you know what? I'm going, God, here we go again. Another animal. I don't want one. And every day, what would Ladybird do? Come up and have to put her head on my lap and look at me. And I'm going, oh, God, please. I'm trying to drink my coffee. Get it off, please. Kathleen, get the dog. Get the dog. She just kept coming back. She refused not to be loved. And so you know what I had to do? I had to love her. And when I began to love her, then she decided, I'm just going to go lay in my bed. I've had enough of him. And I said, that's cool. That's, that's cool. But you know what? It's the same way. God wants your love. He wants you, and he's not going to shoo you away. He's not going to be like the ogre Ken Crawford that goes, get off the porch. But you know what? The dog and the cat were like the persistent widow. I'm coming back until I get justice. And justice from Ken is going to be love. You know what? Some people in your life that are not in your life are going to come back in your life, and they're going to demand justice. And what is the justice they're going to demand? Your love. Because believe it or not, they're hurting because they, you're not in their life. That's why you need to make amends with family members, friends, whatever. I don't care if you just have to go and say, you know, God, forgive me. I'm sorry. I, I want to make amends. You know why? Because you've done what the Lord has declared you to do. Be a man and woman of peace. Peace is who he wants you to be. Peace it's who he's called you to be. You remember when you weren't living in peace, when you were living in discourse and God reached and touched you and loved you and brought you back into the fold and called you his own. And when you felt that kind of love, that kind of need, that kind of affirmation in your life, guess what happened? You had peace. You had a new look on life. I remember a, a police officer we led to the Lord in the police car out there. He said, even the sun looks different now. I said, well, it's still in the eastern sky. He goes, but it's brighter. He goes, it's brighter. You know what? I even feel good now. Isn't that what, I don't know about you, but when she brought me to the church and, and, you, and, and Christians started telling me they loved me, that was the weirdest thing. <laughs> I, I won't go there. <laughs> Good Lord. I'm just trying to get a plate of food. And this dude in a black T-shirt and black 
pants and shoes comes over and go, I love you, brother. I just want to be able to tell you what the Lord has for you. Ah, here we go. Another Jesus freak. You know, I, I, I heard about these kind of people, but now it's real. And then he looked at me and said, I'm not some kind of freak. I go, whoa, I just said Jesus freak in my mind. And he just said he's not some kind of freak. Something's going wrong here. Somebody knows my inner thoughts. Somebody knows what I'm thinking. You know, and as a police officer, I'm going, who is this dude? You know, what's his angle? Did the chief send him? Is he an IA plant? He's got to be. He knew my thoughts, you know, because I know he's not from Star Trek. He didn't beam down, beam into time and got my mind and then came back and told me he loves me. Something's wrong with this picture. Why do you love me? Do you have an angle? And he goes, yes, you're going to be preaching one day. And I said, yeah, right. He goes, no, really, brother, God is going to send you to preach. And I remember it was a four square church, much like this. With people much like you looking and saying, I, I don't know about this guy. But you know what he told me? He loved me. And that was something, watch this, that I hadn't heard from a whole bunch of people. And when he said it, about a month or two later, I'm at a uniform shop. And this real big looking dude in a Cadillac drives through the alley and stops and tells me, he goes, Hey, I'm looking for some homeless people, brother. I go, brother. <laughs> he ain't, brother, he ain't in uniform. And he looks scary. And I thought, hmm, we might have to, we might have to pull our smoke wagons on this guy. What's his angle? He's looking for homeless. And I turn my back, he's going to nail me. And he goes, no, really. And then his wife was in the car, and she was looking mean. I go, whoa, you know. But he turned out to be someone that had love in him and he was looking to love other people <laughs> god albert knows who it is i don't want to call him out <laughs> i don't want to call his name out albert and his lovely wife and they were they were doing a great thing. And, and you know what? And that was a defining moment for the officer that I was working with that day. You know what? He turned from his hard ways to say, people really do stuff like that? I go, yes. Maybe you ought to get involved in it too. Do you know what? My friend who was SWAT officer Randy Simmons and I, it was funny. A week before he died, he told me, he goes, you know what, Ken? We can do much more. How much more, man? We do it. He goes, we can love people more. And we could go out and we could find them in the highway and the hedges and love them. God wants you to love. God wants you to love people. And, and how you love them is, is simply this. Love them. Now, that's not to say you be unwise about how some people are. But I'm just saying your first thought is not war. Your first thought is peace. Your first thought is not destruction. Your first thought is saving people. Just like you and I got saved. I don't want to see nothing bad happen to my worst enemy. I, I hope I don't have any enemies. But you know what? I probably do have some unforeseen. And I don't even know about them. But guess what I do every day when I have devotions? And I pray, Lord, bless all my enemies. <laughs> please, please meet their needs. Please meet their life, Lord. Please, Father, because I don't even know who they are, but you do. And whatever it is, make amends. Amen? So let's, let's bring this home. How much 
time do I have left? Okay. That's dangerous. So here's the thing. So watch this. He says, drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and give it to the descendants of Abraham, your friend forever. And they dwell in it. And you have a sanctuary in your name saying, if watch this, verse nine, if disaster comes upon us, sword, judgment, pestilence or famine, we will stand before this temple in your presence for your name is in this temple and cry out to you in our affliction and you will hear and save. And now here are the people of Ammon, Moab, all this. You would not, the people that God didn't let them, that's a whole nother preaching. But go down to verse uh, uh, number um, uh, 12. Um, our God, will you not judge them? For they have no power against this multitude that is coming against us, nor do we know what to do. We don't know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. We may not know what to do in all the circumstances of our life, but if we keep our eyes on God, God knows what to do. Can you say amen? God knows what to do. You may not know what to do. You may be at a stalemate in your decision making. You may not know what to do, which way to go, which way to turn, which way to walk. But God knows your steps. God knows the pathway. God knows the, 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 the design of time that happens in the past and the future. God knows the way. Then the spirit of the Lord came upon um, Ahazel of the son of Zechariah, the son of Bena the son of Jeel, the son of Matata, the Levite of the sons of Atha in this midst of the assembly. And he said, listen, all you Judah and you inhabitants of Jerusalem and you, King Jehoshaphat, no one is exalted in all of this. So when the man of God begins to tell everybody to listen, he says, listen, everybody in the city, man, woman, and ch children, everybody in your relationship in Jerusalem, man, woman, and children, no matter your rank structure, no matter how rich or how powerful or how less powerful you are, and you too, king, you're in it too. You need Jesus too. There is no escaping because you are king. You need to understand what God's province is. There is no respecter of person. Do not care how much money you got. Do not care what your education level is. Do not care what your authority level is. Do not care how big, how small, how powerful, whatever. You all are going to bow your knees before the Lord Jesus Christ. Are you hearing me? I don't care if you got $10 million. I don't care if you got, if you got $1. In God's eyes, you both are in need of him. You both are blessed. You both need to be absolved of sin. Do not ever let anybody think that they are more than you. <laughs> Nobody is better than, I ain't better than you. I'm in the same boat as you are. I was called to talk today. Who knows what God is going to do with you tomorrow? God could send you to the ends of the earth and you could be the next Billy Graham sitting in here today. All you have to do is seek and trust God. He knows what he has for you. The plans I have for you, he knows those plans. I don't know the plans. Your pastor doesn't know the plans. He's giving you the word of God. He's preaching. He's teaching. He's loving you. He is, he is nurturing you. He's pastoring you. But God's plan is ultimate. And, and, and tomorrow, somebody could rise up, and now they're the new Billy Graham. And he goes, hey, where did you start out? And they go, Chatsworth Foursquare Church. 
where is that? <laughs> You're in a stadium before thousands of people, and you go Chatsworth Foursquare Church, and they go, where is that? And they go, Chatsworth, California. Is there a Chatsworth? You go, yes, there is. Is where God gave me my beginning. My foundation was in the church. A Bible-believing Bible, very uh, uh, ex- uh, expository Bible church where the teaching is truth and the teaching is, is a blessing. And I learned from the pastors how to be a, a, a person that just loves. That's it. You know, the men and women that God used in the Old Testament, they were not super knowledgeable. They didn't have PhDs. They didn't have uh, THDs. They didn't have biblical degrees. You know what they had? A heart to love. And that's when God selected them out of the fold because he goes, in the integrity of Kathleen's heart, I'm selecting you. Go forth and shepherd my sheep in the integrity of your heart. Oh, let me see now. Peter, James, John, all them, they didn't have a Ph.D. in fishing. (laughs) They did not. All they had was a skill to know how to fish. So you know what God said? Your skill is going to be what I'm going to give you to go fish for men. If you're a baker, I talked about this before. If you bake, you know what God's skill is going to be? Go on the food network. And while you're baking, sing, oh, how beautiful the Lord is. Hey, I thought you were baking fish. Yes, I am, but I'm talking about the Lord. You never know what he's going to do because his plans are greater than our plans. Can you say amen? So, really quick. And I'm bringing this home, I promise you. Then the spirit of the Lord fell upon him. And and here's what is said. Thus says the Lord. And this is in verse 15. So he listened in all Judah and and inhabitants of Jerusalem. And you, King Jehoshaphat, thus says the Lord to you. Do not be afraid or dismayed because of this great multitude. For the battle is not yours, but God's. Now watch this. Because he said that didn't mean that Jehoshaphat and his uh, country or, or city could just sit down idly by. God said this, go down against them. In other words, you're not going to fight the way you fight, but go down and face these people off and trust me that I will set the ambush for them. And as they went singing and praising God, God set an ambush. And the men of Moab and Ammon and all them destroyed each other. I always say, she can tell you, I don't fight my battles in arguments and desertions anymore. I allow myself to do exactly what the Lord told me to do. And I give it up to God, and he sets the ambush. Now watch this. When you read about God setting an ambush in the Old Testament, you know what he's doing? He's declaring a holy war. And that war that he's declaring is his war then. You can fight it and may not get the total success that you need because all you'll see from your battle is bodies laid across the field. And you think the war is over, but it just began. But when God fights the war for you the way he does, that enemy is completely or all those things are completely wiped out of your life. Can you say amen to that? And that's what you want to happen. Every every enemy, everything wiped out of my life. And I always tell people, I say, when he answers your prayer, 
He's not going to answer it to the way you want it answered. Because if it answers it your way, only little things are going to happen to change in your life. But if you wait on God and you let him answer your prayers, he goes back and clears up all the things over here that were bad. And he clears up everything now. And he prepares the way for how things are going to be in the future. I'd rather him clear my way than me clear my way. Because I can't see in the future, and nor can I go back in the past and clean, and, and clean up any hurt that I've done to anybody that caused everything to happen the way it's happening right now. You need to trust him that he's going to go back. And you know what I did when I started preaching? And a pastor told me to do, he said, go and make men's with everybody that you ever hurt. Jeez, woo. How am I going to do that? He goes, pray about it. And ask God for forgiveness for every single person to come by. Well, I did that. And you know what? I felt free. And then as I walked into the now, I even felt better because now I didn't have to worry about what would have happened back then. I made my men's. So now I was free to live in this new this new reality God had me in, which was the original intent of my illumination in my heart and mind to live in peace. So I didn't have to worry, is they going to hate me here, whatever. That's, I, already, I already gave that up to the Lord. I already made amends for that. I ain't worrying about that anymore. Little Chewy on the street and, and Frankie and Billy Ray and all them, hey, you're a, a, a distant past now. I pray for you every day. But I live now. And, and, and I'm looking forward to what he's going to do tomorrow for me and where he's going to take me tomorrow. And I'm ready for it. Because what I did was learn about all over here how bad and how dark and how, uh, how unaware I was to where I am now in the illumination that I was bad back then. Now as I'm walking in the future of the Lord, I don't have to worry about the bad anymore because I'm never going there again. Never. Never going there again. I don't know about any of you, but aren't you blessed that you're living in the now with God? See, I'm going to close this this way because I go on forever. In Matthew 6.33, it says, And seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Right? And all these things, all these things will be added unto you. Now, I'm not going to exegete the whole scripture, but here's the thing. Seek ye first who? God. Who is what? All-powerful, has might, and has the power to save and deliver and the power to protect me. Watch this. Ephesians 6, 10 through 20. When you have done all that you can do, therefore stand. Stand, therefore, and in the power of his might. Whose might? God's might. Amen? Stand. So if you're going to stand, you have to recognize who's in power. God is in power. Right? So he says this. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. What is that? Your behavior, bring it into the righteousness of God's kingdom. See, people always thought, seek ye first. Well, I'm going to seek God first, and then I'll get all the things that God has for me. That's not what the text is saying. What it's saying is, when you're in the situation you're in, you seek first your behavior compared into the righteousness of God. In other words, you think like God in that situation and all the things that you need, God already knows about it, but he wants your behavior and your thought 
to be like his. You, he already knows you need food, clothing, money, all these things. God already knows that. And he's provided. Nobody came in here without having something to eat or clothes on or a car to drive in or a bus or your two feet to walk. However you got here, God provided you a way. Amen. So he knew what you needed to get you here today. That's not the thing that you want to ask every time you come before him. You want to ask, Lord, can my heart, my mind, and my spirit match with yours? Because he knows the house problem you have. He knows the bill problem you have, the money problem. He's going to make all that happen. But here's what he's saying. I need your mind in the right condition so that when you do get it, you don't take the money for the house and the lights and spend it on crazy stuff. Because now you're responsible, amen? Oh, they didn't want to hear that one. Whew, that's a whole new perspective of seek ye first the kingdom of God. I always thought it was seek God first and I'll get all the great stuff. No, God already knows the great stuff he's already given you. And that he plans to give you. He doesn't want you to worry about material stuff because he goes on to say you can't serve two masters. You can't serve God in mammon, money, or whatever. He wants your behavior. He wants your heart. He wants your intimacy. He wants your prayers, your worship. He wants you to understand that he's magnified in your life. And if he's magnified in your life, all these things will be added unto you because God never relents to take care of his children who he loves, who he purchased with the blood of his son, Jesus, who he is redeemed, who he's restored, who he's forgiven, and who he's commissioned and who he's pardoned and who he's forgiven. He will then raise up to become a remnant for him. And as a remnant, he will send you out. But he doesn't want you worrying about money bags and tunics and sandals and the fine clothes and everything else. Worry about his love. Worry about the intimacy with God. These are the things. These are the things that will be added unto me. I'll already get all the necessities of life, but I want his spirit more. See, when he, now I'll leave you with this. When he says seek, seek is you standing before him in his presence and you really are trusting him that everything that he says will happen unto you because he's righteous, he's just, and he's trustworthy, and he's true. Can you say amen? Please stand to your feet. Usually, usually I will ask people to come down and pray for you, but, you know, with COVID, we can't do that. So what I'm going to ask, and I won't hold you, but I, I want to just have you lift your hands and open the palm of your hands and surrender. Really quick, if you've been one of the people that has kind of doubt the Lord, in his power, in his might, in his majesty, or you think that you've had to fight all these battles, all these things on your own, anger, depression, the issues of life, and they can be many. And boy, they can take you like a storm. They can be like that army coming. You know it's coming. And yes, fear grips you because I don't know 
if I can get through another day of lockdowns, another day of, of issues, another day of, of bad feelings with my family members or my job or whatever. But one thing I do know, the Father knows all of the days of my life. The Father knows my substance, my going in and my coming out. And the Spirit of God, as you're here worshiping in this church this morning, let Him, let Him dwell in you. So, what I want you to do is lift your hands a little bit higher, just a little bit higher. And I want to hear you say, Lord, come Spirit, come. I want to hear you say, come, Holy Spirit. Dwell in me. Help me. Come on, come on, church. Help me. Help me to know my God more. Help me, Holy Spirit, to be in union with my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Let me not waver. Let me not doubt that no matter what we're going through, God, you've got us. This battle is not mine to fight, but it's mine to worship you and to praise you for the victory that will come. Father, saturate me this morning with the blood of your son, Jesus. Let it cleanse me. Let it hold me. Let it protect me and my family and my friends. Father, we believe that you have the answer to this COVID-19 and all these other things that the enemy is using to ravish us. But you are a God that's mighty. I can't hear you. But you are a God that's mighty and powerful. And you never relent on your promises. So, Father, I believe your promises that you are my Savior. You will not let my foot slip. But, Father, I have to trust you. I have to actually live this life worthy of your calling. And that means not consorting with evil. That means not thinking wickedness, but pureness and holiness and just. You are Jehovah Nisi the banner in my life you are Jehovah Nisi my banner you don't sound like you mean that you are God Jehovah Nisi my banner my battle cry is I believe in the Lord the God of heaven and earth. Amen. Amen.
can't even put this thing on sometimes, but thank you and may God bless you. And here's my thought for the new year. As I was preaching, I saw a vision of a pond and in the pond were many people standing and there was not room enough for everybody in the pond. And someone cried out, is there room enough for me? And someone turned and said, there's always room. Even if you put a finger in the pond, there's room. If you don't know Jesus, there's room in heaven for you. God wants you this morning, if you don't know the Lord, to come to him and to receive him. Is there anyone who doesn't know Jesus Christ that would like to receive Jesus in their life today? Everyone knows Jesus. Thank you, Lord. If anyone has swayed away from him and you haven't been forthright, you haven't been committed, raise your hands. We want to pray for you right now. The Lord is waiting and willing to receive you into his kingdom. For those of you who are watching online, if you don't know Jesus Christ, there's a simple prayer you can pray to have Jesus in your life. And I want you wherever you are right now to just raise your hand and repeat this simple prayer after me. Lord Jesus, come into my life. Father, I'm a sinner and I renounce today every wicked thought, every evil deed, everything I've done that is not of your kingdom. And I ask, Lord, that I receive your son, Jesus Christ, the free gift of salvation. I ask, Lord, that you would write my name in the Lamb's book of life. And Satan, I renounce you. I no longer serve you. I serve the Lord Jesus. If you prayed that prayer, we believe that you got saved and the Spirit will bring you to, I pray, a church that can teach you and develop you what that prayer meant. Maybe you call this church. Maybe you call Chatsworth Church. And I know they have great pastors and Bible teachers that will speak to you and explain that conversion to you. May the Lord bless you all and remember, keep hanging on to his garment. Keep hanging on to the garment of Jesus from this time to forevermore. Amen. Amen.